Welcome to the Crystal Sparks Podcast. We are so glad you are here. Our one goal of this podcast is to grow your faith and help equip you to accomplish your dreams and your goals. Now here is Crystal Sparks. Well, amen, amen. Are you guys glad to be in the house of God today? Amen. It's good to be in church. Excited about all that God is doing in this house. And man, I love our young people. Um, I love seeing them worship. I love what God did in their life this week. And man, I believe in that is just the beginning of all that he's going to do. Amen. Um, well, hey, welcome to the church. I'm so glad that you are here. If this is your first time visiting uh, One Church, I just want to personally welcome you and tell you how thankful I am that you came. I know that you could have chosen a lot of different places, and I'm so honored that you would come here for one hour today and spend this time with us. Our one hope is that today you will leave encountering Jesus. And more than anything, more than a song, more than a message, uh, we want you to meet the person of Jesus. And so we'll be praying for you as you're on your journey to find your church home. We'd love to be that place for you, but uh, we don't believe that we're the church for everybody, but we do believe we're the church for someone. Amen. And we hope that someone is you. So um, just so you guys know, we are in the process of becoming uh, one church. We were the church RC. And so we still are the church RC, but we're becoming one church. And the reason why, if you haven't been here in a few weeks, you don't know what's going on is because when we originally named the church, the church RC, we really didn't know all that God had for us. And now in the last last few years, we've realized that God's called us not just to one city, but he's called us to cities in the surrounding area. We got people that come from all over and call this church their church home. And then we are launching our second campus um, in the fall in Silver Springs. Come on, isn't that exciting? And so um, with that, we want to have a name that reflects the vision and what God's doing here in this house. And so we believe that one church reflects that. And so we're one church, many locations. And so Brian believes that God's placed eight churches inside of his heart. And so we'll eventually have eight campuses. And so we'll be eight campuses, but we'll have one church, one message. Amen. And so it's going to be good. And so this is a step in going in that direction. And so with all that said, uh, we have new car decals because y'all church RC people represent. Uh, the other day, you know, a church RC person, cause they roll out of their car and they've got stickers all over the car. And this person had them on the inside windows of the car. It was like, they wanted to make sure that people riding in the car knew they love the church RC. And then they get out of the car and they're wearing a church RC shirt and they have an RC hat. I'm like, you know, an RC person when you see them. And so one church is no different. And so we've got new decals so you can take off your RC logo and put on the one church uh, logo and represent. Amen. We're going to be in Acts chapter three, Acts chapter three. I got a whole lot. Like if we were together for a long time today, I could do justice for this passage, but I think you guys would get hungry and you would get tired and you would get sick of it. So we're going to go hard and fast for the next 30 minutes. Are you ready? Acts chapter three, verse one, it says, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, three o'clock in the afternoon, when a certain man, somebody say certain man, certain man crippled from his birth was being carried along, who was laid each day at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, so that he might beg for charitable gifts from those who entered the temple. So when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them to give him a gift. And Peter directed his gaze intently at him. And so did John and said, look at us. 
And the man paid attention to them, expecting, somebody say expecting, expecting that he was going to get something from them. But Peter said, silver and gold, money, I do not have. Now pause here. Let me just say that some people use the scripture to justify that Peter and John were poor. They were not poor. Let me just say that if you're lame, there's no amount of money that will fix your sickness. If you're, if you're rich and you have all the money in the world, but you're diagnosed with terminal cancer, having more money doesn't fix the cancer. So he's saying what you need is more than money, but I'm going to give you something that's lasting. That's what they're saying here. Okay. So silver and gold have I none, but what I do have, I give to you in the use of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And he took hold of the man's right hand with a firm grip and raised him up. And at once his feet and ankle bones became strong and steady and leaping forth, he stood and began to walk. And he went into the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God and all the people saw him walking about and praising God. And they recognized him as the man who usually sat begging for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement over what had occurred to him. Can I pray with you today? Jesus, we just thank you so much that God, that this is a God appointed word at a God appointed time. Father, we thank you that every heart is open and softened for the seed of the word of God. Father, declare every ear is open in this place to hear what you would have to say. God, we declare that every life will be changed, that no one will leave the same in Jesus name. And everybody who believed it said, Amen. Well, just so you guys know, we have people from all over the world that listen to our podcast. Um, close to 500 people listen to our podcast on a regular basis. Can we just welcome them just real quick, all of our podcast listeners? In fact, we have a family coming from Wisconsin to August baptism. They listen online, they watch us live, and they're coming to get baptized as a family. Come on, isn't that awesome? So I want to say to every giver to this house, you're making a big difference. And not only when you give to this house, it's not staying here, but it's going to states and to nations. So thank you so much for your obedience and giving. It's because of you that we're able to get the message out to so many people. See, I love this text here in Acts chapter three. And I think it's so interesting because the Bible says that he was lame since birth. He's never walked. He's never known what it is to walk down a street. He's never known what it is to dance. He's never known what it is to walk. And yet the Bible tells us that every day he was carried at the gate called beautiful. Now, what I want you to know is that when you read the Bible, don't just read it and skim over stuff, okay? Like when you read it, I want you to think, now when is other times that we've seen people begging? I want you to ask yourself that question. So when you read it, don't just read it for what it is. Think about other instances where it happened in the Bible. Bible. So when I was reading this the other day, I thought about how interesting it is that his friends carried him to the gate called beautiful. Now he could have been asked to get carried anywhere. I mean, he could have been carried to the local market. He could have been carried to a local street, to a nearby village, but he said specifically the gate called beautiful. And in my thinking about this, I began to think about blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, who was sitting by the roadside begging. And the Bible says that he cried out to Jesus, Lord, have mercy on me. Right. But it says that all the beggars who were around him told him to be quiet. And in that makes sense that blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus was sitting by the roadside begging because that's where you found people begging for alms. That's where you would see them is there on the roadside. He was surrounded by other beggars. He was surrounded by other people in the same condition as he was. And then I began to think about another instance that Jesus healed somebody. And the Bible says there was a man laying lame at the pool of Bethesda. 
The Amplified Bible tells us that there was a great number of sick folk who laid there with him also. I love how country the Bible can sound sometimes. You know, only a country person would be like, y'all, there's a whole lot of sick people around here, right? And so the Bible says there was a great number of sick folk laying there with him. So that makes sense to me. See, because here's the thing is those two don't surprise me. This man is what's interesting to me that out of all the places his friends could have carried him, he chose the gate called beautiful. And what I thought was interesting is, is that if you get nothing out of the message today, that's totally fine. If you leave with this one thing, if you can't change your situation, change your environment. If you can't change your situation, change your environment. See, here's the thing is that we as human beings, we like, we have a propensity to surround ourselves with people in the same condition as we are. That's why a woman who's miserable in her marriage will not be friends with people who are happy in their marriage. She doesn't want to talk to you about how you're in love with your husband. She wants to talk to people who are as disgusted as she is with her husband. That is why people who are broke hang around people who are broke. Why? Because being around rich people, it's not that rich people don't want to hang around you. It's that you feel uncomfortable when you go hang around them. And what we do is we will naturally acquiesce to whatever environment we put ourselves into. That's why the Bible isn't joking when it says bad company corrupts good morals. What it's saying is the environment you surround yourself, that is exactly what you will become. You are the sum of your, the friends that you have. Show me the last 10 people you called in your phone and I'll tell you that you will be the average of how wealthy they are, as spiritual as they are, as influential as they are. So Crystal, you're saying to friend up, that's exactly what I'm saying. You need to surround yourself with people who are going where you want to go. That is why we can send a group of young people to camp. Now, is the Holy Spirit different in Oklahoma as it is in Roy City? No. Is God different in Oklahoma than he is in Roy City? No. What happened was they changed their environment. And when they changed the environment, their heads were up, their hearts were open, and God began to move. Here's the thing. Some of you, your problem is not your condition. Your problem is your environment. And here this man said, if I can be laid anywhere, I'm going to lay at the gate called beautiful. Now, the interesting thing as I began to study out this text is that the gate called beautiful, there was three gates that went into the temple. The gate called beautiful was the only gate where women could enter, people from the outside anyone was welcome in to there except for the lame. What's interesting is the gate was so large and so beautiful. It was an icon in the community. Everybody knew exactly. It was a landmark in the community. Everybody recognized it. Everybody knew it. The Bible, when you study it out, it says that it took the strongest of men of that day to build the gate called beautiful. They summoned together the strongest men to be able to get it up. Keeping in mind, there were no cranes, there were no lifts, there wasn't anything like that. So the strongest of men, and some commentators will tell you that it was made of solid gold, other solid brass. Either way, it was heavy. Isn't it amazing that we see a man who in his lameness is looking at the epitome of strength? It's like the oxymoron of what's happening in this text. And I began to think about how there's situations and there's times in our lives where we feel like our inward condition is the opposite of what we're looking at and what we're believing for. But the Bible tells us time and time again that we're gonna become what we behold. And whatever you put before your eyes, that's what you're gonna become. And here this man is in the greatest act of faith that he could have asked to be placed anywhere. Because I'll say, as I studied about this, they say that they believe this this man to be in his thirties. Every day he was placed before the gate. 
Now, I'll just say that if I work out for two weeks straight, I feel like I've been super faithful and I'm on it, right? Can you imagine being in your 30s and every day your place in front of something that is the opposite of what you are? Is the opposite of what you are. Not only is it the opposite of what you are, you can only look at it and watch other people go into what you want. And you're unable to do it for 30 years. See, there's a story, and I read this, and it's about a Spanish mackerel. And a Spanish mackerel is a kind of fish. And the Spanish mackerel will only grow to the size of the tank that you put it in. So if you put it in a small fish tank, a 50-gallon tank, it'll grow to the size of the tank. If you put him in the ocean, he'll become larger. Goldfish is much of the same. Whether you put him in the size of a tiny cup or you put him in a big fish tank, he's going to grow to the size of his environment. Let me tell you that you're the same way in your life. You're growing to the size of your environment. That's why church is so important. Because in these moments of worship, all of a sudden the heavens begin to open. Our hearts begin lifted. And all of a sudden we begin to see beyond our present circumstance. And we're exposed to something greater. Recently, uh, Courtney and Tylen got married. Can you all just stand up and wave at everybody? Show them who you are. Y'all bless them. They're, they're newlyweds. You know that they're broke as a joke, right? Anybody ever newly married? You know what I'm talking about. Everything's a blessing. A $5 bill is like, woo, we're rich. And so here they are, they're on their honeymoon. And I asked for her permission to, po- to talk about this because on Instagram, she posted, they went to Morton's and she said, Hey guys, like we went here, such a rip off. This is how, you know, our bill was so expensive. I could have paid my electric bill. She goes, and this was the line that got me. We didn't belong there. And everybody around us knew it too. Now, the spiritual side of me got up and was like, "Mm mm-mm, girl, ain't nobody putting baby in a corner. (laughs) And all my 80s people, where you at? (laughs) I'm like, nobody puts baby in the corner. I messaged her. I'm like, girl, you do belong there. And there's one day that not only will that be nothing to you, you'll be able to take your whole family there. And in that moment, God was showing you the potential of where you're going. It's beyond where you're at right now. And see, here's the thing is in that moment, see, here's the thing is if you are always surrounded by people who have as much as you, have the same income as you, live the same life as you, you're never challenged to believe for greater. But in that moment, what was on the inside of her was a poverty mentality of I don't believe long here. I'll never be here. That's the same reaction that Israelites had when they went in and spied out the promised land. We were grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in theirs. And because of that, it disqualified them from the more. And I was like, no, baby, you belong there. One day you're going to go there. Like it's nothing. Money's not going to be an issue. God's showing you the potential of what's ahead. And here's the thing I want to declare over you. What are you doing to get yourself in an environment where you begin to believe for bigger? Because here's the thing is you can't crave something you've never had. I never craved churros from Disney until I went to Disney. Where are all my Disney people at? Oh man, come on. We only have that many Disney lovers in this house. Here's the thing. Once I had a Disney churro, I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And I will do whatever it takes to get to a Disney any chance I get. Why? Because you can't crave something you've never had. I've never seen a toddler ask for something that they've not yet tried. The same is true in your life. Maybe you're not expecting more because you haven't surrounded yourself with more. 
you don't have an appetite for it. Why? Because all you've done is surround yourself with people who are broke, busted, and disgusted, just like you. People that don't go to church on Sunday, just like you. And some of you, what happens is if we sit out there long enough, we become critical of what we want. Because when we see other people get it, you have two choices. It either shows you that people are going in the gate or it magnifies the fact that you're not gone, haven't gone in the gate. See, what's interesting is he laid at the gate called beautiful. A gate is an access point. It's a passageway from where they were in their own natural self to the presence of God and what God could do. And I began to think about that, how there's some of us who have laid on the gate of what we could do in our own natural ability and not stepping into all that God wants for us. And so we say things like this, I almost fell in love. I almost got the job. I almost got promoted. I almost, you're near it, but you're not in it. And what happens when we lay there long enough, all of a sudden we stop expecting. I want you to think about this. In 30 years, 365 days in a year, he could have at any point said, you know what? Don't carry me today there. Carry me anywhere else, but just don't carry me there. But yet the heart of expectation in this man was today might be the day. Today might be the day that everything's gonna change. If my situation's not changing, at least I'm gonna look at something and watch other people get their breakthrough. See, let me tell you, I can tell what God's about to do in your life by how well you can praise when other people get a breakthrough. When you're critical because the coworker got the promotion, it affirms to me that you ain't gonna be promoted for a while. You know why? Because God's more concerned about your heart than your condition. And he wants to see, can you praise when somebody else gets married when you're believing God? Can you praise when somebody else has the positive pregnancy test? Can you praise when somebody else gets elevated? Do I, am I talking to somebody? But if you're critical, and can I just say this, that if you're critical of everyone all the time, maybe the problem isn't everyone all the time. Maybe it's you. Maybe you've been laying outside the gate. And instead of with a heart of expectation, you've been looking down at your present circumstances And you've got a woe is me mentality. And God's here today to make you go, hey, there can be more than what you're currently facing. Amen. So expectation, heads up, hearts open is what I want to talk to you today about. In Psalm 75, 5 through 7, it says promotion does not come from the north, south, east or the west, but promotion comes from the Lord. I love that so much. Expectation has a head that's looking up. Expectation has a head that's looking up. When you read studies about people with confidence issues and and insecurity, one of the things you can always tell that somebody's dealing with insecurity is they do this. They have a head down posture. They walk into the room and their head goes down. You talk to them and their head goes down. In fact, whenever I had a She Leads, one of my challenges for 30 days, I told the girls, I said, hey, this is what I want you to do. Every time you walk into a room, roll your shoulders back, put your head up, act like you own the place. Why? Because it's a stance of posture. It's a stance of confidence. It's saying, hey, it's a heads up mentality. I love the scripture that says our help comes from the Lord. I look up for where does my help come from? And my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heavens and earth. What is the Psalm saying? Our heads have to be looking up. See, a heads down person is constantly having a defeated heart. Proverbs 13, 12 says unrelenting disappointment makes the heart sick. Unrelenting disappointment. And you begin to look down because you have a defeated heart. You start to have this kind of mentality. When things look like they might not work out, you go on a negative tailspin. 
You start saying, well, I knew it was gonna happen like this. It always happens like this. I'm always overlooked. I'm a never, I'm never the person on top. I'm always, bad luck is the only luck I have. It wasn't for bad luck. I wouldn't have any luck at all. Come on. My family's always sick. We always get sick this time of year. Allergies is just what we go through. This is it. It's a head down posture. It's looking at what has always been as though that's all there ever will be. Heads down people miss out on opportunities. Can I just say that God might have an open door right around you, but you're not seeing it because your head's so down on what's always happened and what's always been done to you. And at a certain point, you gotta begin to get your head up and begin to say, God, I don't care what my circumstance looks like. I don't care what the checkbook says. I don't care what the diagnosis says, but God, I look to you. My head is up. Then I just tell you that some of you can quote the medical report more than you can quote the word of God. And that's what's gotten you into the problem that you're in. And maybe if you start memorizing scripture, like you do the negative comments that you get, come on, head down. See, here's the thing is the Bible calls it being a prisoner of hope in Zechariah. It tells us that God's called us to be a prisoner of hope. And I want you to think about this because a victim, all a victim does is they're a prisoner to the person who's entrapped them. And a prisoner does this. They can only eat what the person gives them and they only hear what the person tells them. And some of you, I want you to get this, that the enemy has begun to get your head down looking at your present circumstances and he's feeding you negative reports over and over again. Let me tell you, the negative email that you got, the nasty comments on Facebook aren't after your, they're after your attention. They're trying to get your head down instead of keeping your head up where it says that we're called to be prisoners of hope. In other words, we only eat what God feeds us and we only listen to what God tells us. And if God didn't say it, we're not listening to it. I could tell you negative things, but you know what? I'm not going to spend my time on those. Why? Because our heads have to be up. I love when Peter and John comes up to him. The first thing in one translation that they tell him to do is look up at us. Don't look at the cup. Don't look like, don't look at the place where you've always received blessing. I'm about to do a new thing. God's about to do something different, but you're, if you're looking down, you're going to miss it. See, head up people are faith-filled and faith-fueled. Head up people are ready for any moment as though this is the moment that could change anything. Head up people are the type of people that say today might be the day that everything changes. I love in the book of Exodus, God tells us that Moses shows up to a time of prayer with the Lord and the Lord says, Moses, I want you to write this down because this will be a day that you never forget. I love that so much. And I just want to tell you, what if we entered our prayer time every day like that? Like God, this could be the day that everything changes. This could be the moment that everything breaks through. Oh, well, Crystal, this is just that sweet message. Well, you know what? I'd, I'd rather believe God for a whole lot and get half of it than to believe God for nothing and get all of it. A hundred percent of the prayers you don't pray will never go answered anyways. So why not believe God for big things? Head up people are always looking at the horizon. They're never looking at the present circumstance to define what God's about to do. Psalm 50, I'm um, sorry, Psalm 14, verse 12, 2. Did I say it right? Yes, I said it right. I had it wrong in my notes. True story. Psalm 14, verse two in the message. It says that God sticks his head out of heaven and he looks around. He's looking for someone not stupid. Don't you love that? God ain't looking for stupid people. But let's see how he defines what he says next. One man even God expectant. Just one God ready woman. So in other words, if you're not expecting God to show up in your midst, in your circumstance, 
God would call you stupid. God would call you stupid. It'd be the same as walking up to a millionaire asking him to buy you a cup of coffee. Why? Because you only ask for what you believe he can pay for. And he's saying, you're dumb. I want to do so much for you. He's looking for one person who's God expectant and God ready. I just think of it like this. God wants to bless somebody. He might as well bless me. He wants to do something great in somebody's life. He might as well do me. If you're, if you're passing it up, I'll take whatever you're not getting. Why? Because he's looking for somebody who's expecting. What is he saying? Is your head up. What are you looking at? Quit looking to your employer to promote you. Bible says that promotion comes from the Lord. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. God can do in a moment, give you favor that could turn everything around. And here you are looking down at your circumstance. Quit looking down. Get your head up. Begin to look up for all that God has. The next thing I want to tell you is expectation has a heart that is open. I want you to think about this as a person who's begging for any amount of money. I'm sure he had been told this line a lot of times. I mean, let's just be honest in the room. Have you ever walked by somebody begging for money? And you said this line, sorry, dude, don't have any cash on me. Have you ever said that? So I'm sure he's heard that line a hundred times before, if not thousands, right? And so in that moment, he could have gotten critical. He could have been like, whatever, sure you don't, judgmental. But in that moment, he chose to have an open heart. See, I think a lot of times whenever we make plans, we think that they're really awesome when we bring our plans to God. And he's like, really? That's all you want me to do? See, because here's the thing is if Peter and John would have given him a few coins in his cup, he would have been able to buy dinner that night, but it wouldn't have impacted his life forever. And God's more concerned about your longevity of your life, the totality of the picture than he is about solving your momentary things. Braylee, it was her birthday recently. She was turning 13 and she kept on trying to plan her birthday party and it was stupid. And she kept telling me like, I want to get a few of my friends and I want to go to my grandparents' lake house and we'll eat pizza and it'll be fun. And I'm like, baby, can you just do me a solid? Let your mama plan your birthday party. Like, I know how to plan a good birthday party. Can you just let your mama plan your birthday party? She's like, I don't know. And so on her birthday, she let me do it. We went to the spa. I gave her a ton of money. She went shopping. And then we finished the day with a ton of her friends at her favorite restaurant. Like, super awesome birthday, right? I say that to say, maybe what you've been asking God for, you think is your plan A, but it's really God's plan B. And God has a better plan. See, in that moment, he got denied what he wanted in the moment, but God had something so much more. See, he's the God of Ephesians 3.20. He wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ever ask, think, or even imagine. And I'll just say this, that the Bible says that those who hope in the Lord, their faith will never be disappointed. And some of you are saying, well, Crystal, I'm kind of disappointed because I feel like God's let me down. Let me just tell you that in that moment of your disappointment, it shows you where you are putting all your plans in your plans All your faith was in your little road to success and how this was going to pan out. And God has something so much more. In that moment, he could have been so discouraged, but instead he got what he had been asking for. See, when we think God is saying no, he's often saying not yet. We put periods where God puts commas. And some of us spend our entire life looking at a door that was closed, not missing that the door right next to it is opened. And I think this, that God often will offend somebody's mind to reveal your heart. And in that moment of them saying no, it revealed his heart and his heart was still open to the things of God. 
And God was able to come in and do great things. The reason why I believe is two reasons. Number one, God loves to do miracles in different ways. Religion always looks to where it last saw God move. It tries to make a pattern. That's why some people sing the same songs they were singing 30 years ago. Because they're remembering a time they used to worship. Come on. Jesus never healed the same person the same way twice. Sometimes it was by the speaking of his word. Sometimes he spat on you. You just pray that you were the one that got spoken to. Amen. Nobody wants to be the dude that got spat in the eyes. Nobody wants that, right? But why did he do that? Because he doesn't want you to get into a place where this is the way God always moves. The next reason why is God enjoys surprising us when we least expect it. One of my favorite scriptures is when Jesus is talking to the disciples and he says, I'm going to give you vineyards that you did not plant and houses that you did not build. In other words, I love to surprise you when you least expect it with a ready-made miracle, things already done. And I want to challenge you today in this place. I believe that God is doing great things in this house. And I believe that he wants so much more. And the Bible says in Hebrews 10, 38, that the just shall live by faith. And I'll tell you that the most defeated place in your life is when you stop expecting God to do great things. God created you and wired you to live on answered prayers. That's why the disciples, when they could have asked Jesus how to do anything, they could have asked him, Lord, how'd you walk on water? They could have asked him, God, how did you multiply the loaves and the fish? They said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Because they realized that they were made and wired by God to live on answered prayers. And friends, let me tell you, some of you have let disappointment get in your heart and you become critical where God wants you to remain a student. And God's calling you to a place again. Can you open up your heart? Can you look up? Because he has great things for you. Thank you so much for listening to today's content. If you would like to further connect with Crystal, text the keyword CRYSTAL to 33733 and follow the prompts. We are so thankful you are a part of our community. Let's do something awesome for God this week.